Joe, God, thank you for the gift that we have in her. Lord, thank you for what she brings. Lord, I pray that tonight she'll be able to speak with authority and with anointing. And with the conviction, Lord, that this is your word and of you. I pray that we'd receive wisdom, be challenged, and regardless of where we're at relationally, Lord, whether we're single or in a dating relationship, engaged or married, God, may we be challenged with your truth and desire to seek wisdom and to hunger and thirst after righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for that. Um, so, yes, I'm going to be speaking about dating tonight, and I realize that there are many people here who aren't in a dating relationship, you're either married or longing for one or just not interested. Um, but if you listen to the last two weeks, we've been speaking about community and friendship, and um, you are in community and you have friends who are dating, and so hopefully you can glean a little bit of um, wisdom or maybe you just need to remember what it's like um, to be in this stage of life so that you can minister to others. So I trust that there's something in it for everyone. The other thing I want to say is that, um, so we were looking at relationships for dummies and that God's already given us answers in the book. So Brad spoke about community, lots that the Bible says about that. Roll spoke about friendship, he got a good one, the Bible speaks about friendship. Next week, Ryan's going to be doing one on marriage, he's going to be having a panel discussion, we were going to get some married couples in and just um, having a great time that's going to be facilitated. I got dating, where is that in the Bible? Thank you guys, I wasn't here when they planned it, I was on holiday. So, here we go. But what I do see in the Bible is arranged marriages. And I don't know how you feel about that. I'm just putting it out there. But um, if you find yourself in a position where you're having to find your own partner, you have your unbiblical parents to thank for that. So you could either go home and get them to look for someone for you, or you can maybe just kind of play the God card and allow God to arrange your marriage. Very cheesy. Um, but yeah, we're not living in an era of arranged marriages, and we have to kind of deal with this whole idea that dating is now a thing. And there are many things that aren't in the Bible that we have to kind of contend with, and we can still use God's wisdom. And there's so many beautiful scriptures that we can apply to many aspects of our lives. The other thing I also want to say before we start is it can be a sensitive issue for some. And you might feel exposed, you might be in a dating relationship, you might have had a failed one. You might also feel exposed because you've never had a relationship. And I just want you to know that we, yeah, this is a kind of a safe place. And let's all look at our own lives um, instead of those around. So no one is watching you. Um, this is a kind of a place where you can just sit back and enjoy it. Um, take out what you can and maybe God has something he wants to say. But I think it would be wrong of us to think about other people in the situation and think, oh, you know, that's a good one for them um, because God wants to speak to all of us. So let's take um, off our judgment and just say that we're just going to allow God to speak to us and, and gain his wisdom. So the first thing is this is a bit of a no-brainer in a way, but what are we talking about when we say dating? I'm not talking about going on dates, like going out for coffee with someone, getting to know them a little bit better, I'm also not talking about Roland's pet peeve, which is vibing. Okay, if you don't know what that is, you can speak to our youth pastor. <laughs> it's not a thing, apparently. <laughs> um, and what we're talking about when we speak about dating is just when you find someone who you just want to get to know better, you think it's got potential, um, it's exclusive between a guy and a girl, because we're talking about godly relationships, the way God intended it, 
and um, yeah, and you committed to each other. And so I think the one difference is what is your goal for dating? And when you, if you can remember this far back when you hit puberty, I don't know, 11, 12, nowadays I think it's even younger for some. Um, but just that, that th there was that time where you started to notice the opposite sex and just notice the, the beauty or the dashing young men um, or the beautiful young girls. And all of a sudden, that became something desirable, from being in the playground and thinking girls and guys were quite gross, to actually thinking, wow, there's something quite interesting and alluring about the opposite sex. And all of a sudden, um, you start to have sexual desires. And for a lot of young people, the purpose and the goal of dating is to have some of those fulfilled. And I don't mean necessarily having sex with the person, but having a fulfilling um, relationship, a physical relationship, emotional, and, um, and just wanting to get those, those needs fulfilled. Now, there's, there's a little bit of a problem with that, in that what you're going to look for in a dating relationship, if that's your motivation, is someone that's appealing to the eye, someone who you think is hot or attractive or whatever, or for some, if you're just plain desperate, just whoever's available. But um, that can be a little bit of a problem. It can get you into a lot of trouble. And so the other option is to be in a position where you're actually looking for a potential spouse and someone that you could spend the rest of your life with. Now, that is a very good motive for dating because you'll start to look at the person quite differently. You won't just, you will go past looks and all the kind of window dressing and you'll go a little bit deeper. And so when you're at that stage, um, I think that is a good stage to date. So I don't want to be prescriptive or legalistic, put an age to it, that sort of thing. That's up to you and God if he's kind of writing your love story. Um, but the one thing I want to say when it comes to dating is you need to proceed with caution. It can be a messy thing. I think in arranged marriages, hearts were protected a lot more. Um, there was a, like people, you didn't have to be as emotionally robust. But now I think you have to proceed with caution. I was joking with Elevate leaders. I was like, come talk to me about relationships. So like, oh, Linda, we're the only two that have had a successful one. And they were like, oh, how can you say it? I'm like, well, we're the only ones that are married because the reality is it can only work once and it's with the person that you're going to marry. And so that is your successful dating relationship. Um, I also heard an interesting one um, where a guy had said, uh, dating can prepare you more for divorce than it actually can for marriage. We all think that dating prepares us for marriage and that can be true if it's done in a godly way. But if you think about it, if you have got a very casual approach to dating, what it is teaching you is find someone I like, get together with them, kind of be exclusive for a while, lose interest or kind of get what I want, kind of see that we're not compatible, um, they start to irritate me, life changes, I have different needs, and so what I do, I break up and then I find the next person. And can you see that trend? What is that training you for? It's teaching you that relationships can be temporary, that um, they're not that important, that you can take someone's heart, do whatever you want, and then let it go. And so you just need to, so dating comes with some warning signs that it can hurt you to go cautiously and that it can actually set you up for some bad trends if you don't do it in a good and godly way. The other side of it is it can be amazing if it's done the right way. And if any of you have chatted to me about your relationships, you know that when I hear of a good one, I get so excited because I am a romantic at heart and I love it when just two godly people get together because I think it's something beautiful that God has created and there's so much potential in that. 
I also think there's some modern dating dilemmas. I don't know if you've ever had this, but just older folk coming to you and saying, what's the problem? Just date lots of people. I don't know, has anyone, is that a thing? Have you ever heard older people say that? I, when I first came to the church, a lot of the older generation were quite frustrated with the young adults who weren't dating and the youth. They were like, what's the problem? And I'll tell you what the problem is, that's that the world is completely different to what it was then. And there are a few things I just jotted down, differences in, in our world. And the first is that a lot of that generation never lived alone. They got married out of their homes. And so they didn't have to navigate the whole thing of how do I date, you know, potentially having someone coming to my house all the time, spending this time alone, not having my mom and dad sitting there evaluating them and that sort of thing. Um, also just siblings, I think, like often siblings can help protect your heart. I know that for my brother, I mean, he wasn't the gushiest brother, but he was never ever nice to any of my boyfriends or my sisters. And the common thing that always happened when I took a guy home was like, sure, your, your brother seems quite like indifferent, rude, whatever. And it wasn't that he was trying to be, actually just didn't care about them, <laughs> it was all like rubbish that we were bringing home. And the first guy that my parents actually, well, my brother and my dad ever gave attention to actually is the guy that I'm married to now. The rest actually got a very hard time. And you think, that's actually quite good. I'm all for giving boyfriends a hard time. Like, the, the people have got to work for what they want. They get things too easily in life. And so it's not the worst thing. But often if you move up to a strange town, you're here by yourself, who's there to kind of protect you and be the community? And so dating's also become quite an individual thing. I think back in the day, there was a healthy kind of dynamic of, of dating within a group, and you'd all go together. And there would be couples within it, but you would, it was often, it wasn't this pairing off as much and spending so much time alone. And so if we look back in the in the whole kind of friendship and community talk that we've had already, that would be a beautiful part of dating. But now it becomes quite an individual thing where all of a sudden you've got a boyfriend or a girlfriend and we don't see you for ages and you don't come to events and then all of a sudden you break up and we're like, okay, here they, here they go again. Um, so dating was just a lot more community focused. I think there were less freedoms then. If you think about it now, texting can get you into so much trouble. Having your own car, having the freedom to have money, to go away, to do all these things um, that, that weren't freedoms back in the day. And even that, I mean, like students had clapped out cars, so they had to leave early, otherwise they got stuck without petrol in the middle of nowhere. Now you guys have these awesome cars filled with petrol, you can go out whenever you want, whatever time you want, and there's just so much more freedom. And then the world was also less sexualized. I think the sad reality is if you look at the stats when it comes to pornography, not outside the church, but in the church, there are so many young people dealing with addictions to pornography. And the reality is then dating is a very dangerous ground. And even, not even if you have an addiction, but there's so, there's so much desensitization as well that, that things that used to be shocking aren't shocking anymore. And so one's sexuality becomes this very vague and scary territory where the boundaries were a lot clearer back in the day. And then also you got married younger. It is tough. The fact that people are getting married older means you've got to kind of govern, if you want to honor God with your sexuality and kind of do things his way, you're going to have to be careful and guarded a lot longer. And that can wear one down. It's just a reality. So those are some of our modern day problems. So we're just going to kind of look at the journey of dating and just what we can learn and hopefully throwing in some scriptures and things along the way. But, um, yeah, <laughs> the dating ones. Um, but, but I was thinking about the whole dating, the dating kind of um, 
world as, as a beach with different flags, if you know the flag warnings that are on the beach. And so the first one I want to talk about is the red flag beach. And if you've ever seen a red flag beach, those are the ones where it's dangerous to swim. And so this is the kind of thing that either if you bring certain things into the relationship or you're with someone who's carrying certain baggage, the chances are you're both gonna get pounded by the waves and taken out together because you're choosing to align your life with this person and take on what they're taking on. If they're in a good place, you're taking on godliness, iron sharpening iron, all these beautiful things. But if you kind of align your life with someone who is dealing with a lot of things and a lot of brokenness, you can actually kind of get pounded and taken out too. And I'm sure you've seen that. Maybe you've experienced it in your own life. And these are not things that are uncommon to many Christians. I could see when I was jotting these down, once again, a lot of these things that I've had to deal with in my own life, so these aren't unusual. The difference is there's a difference between working through things and as you're moving from kind of childhood into adulthood, you have a choice that sometimes you can carry these burdens with you and they can kind of have a stronger and stronger hold on you or you can choose as an adult and someone walking in maturity with God to start letting these things go and dealing with them and taking it seriously. And the problem is, is that if you choose not to let these things go, the Bible talks about giving the devil a foothold. We can have a strong hold. And the way I see it is just something that feels like it has a strong hold on you is usually a strong hold. Something that you feel you can't conquer on your own. And often, I just want to just say on a little sidebar, is that um, it's a whole kind of, sermon on itself, but if you feel like this is you or any of these are, are kind of ones that ring true, is please come and speak to one of us at the church. Like, we'd love to pray with you because these are things that God can help you deal with and you don't need to carry them alone. But these are just a few that I thought just beware of. The first is brokenness. Um, when you or the person you want to date hasn't had a level of freedom or peace or healing from their past. And so you can carry brokenness and you can see how um, it's kind of like, yeah, a broken glass and that there's all this sharpness and it can be so dangerous because everything is so sensitive and the person is so wounded. Addictions, and as I said previously, you know, the whole, especially the addiction to pornography, the reason that this is so dangerous in a relationship is because you're dealing with someone whose brain, whose life, their spirituality, and their emotions has been touched by something that has jaded sexuality. And so to, to kind of align yourself with them and be in a relationship when it hasn't been resolved and dealt with adequately, and there's not a certain amount of time between you and them, you're actually going to be a stumbling block to their healing. But it's not just that, it's actually any addiction. Um, that's the first, if you go to for any sort of treatments, um, you'll just know that, that addictions is the one thing that people actually need to first resolve by themselves. Um, fear is just some people have a huge fear of the future without someone else and they can't be alone. Insecurity or the need for affirmation, always needing you to say things about themselves and because they can't feel it um, within themselves and just they don't get the affirmation from God and the identity from God. Rejection, carrying hurt from friends, family or past relationships. Um, someone who's just dealing with desperation, willing to take whoever will give them attention or give them a chance. Someone that's uh, indiscretion, just a history of making bad choices, um, sometimes not even with, with their sexuality, with dating, but even just in life, someone who's continually just making bad choices and not exercising wisdom. Unforgiveness, and this can be towards anyone, 
And just be careful of people that have a string of bad and unresolved relationships because sometimes if there's a trend and a pattern, that person needs to conquer it first by themselves before they bring it in or you might just be another one in the string of bad relationships. Um, someone who's rebellious, maybe rebellion, rebelling against their parents' rules, against wisdom, um, just having that attitude of, I'm just going to do it anyway. And then unbelief or differing beliefs. And um, here I'm talking about the spectrum from non-Christian to someone who's not fully committed to God. And that can be someone who's sitting here in the church. I think we can make assumptions about people because they're here who say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but actually they never, they don't spend time with God. They don't live their life for God. And so the reason this is, this is a dangerous thing is that, yes, they, they might be tolerant. The world preaches and teaches tolerance. And so they will be very tolerant and respectful of you because that's the thing that the world says. Don't judge. You know, so they're not going to be a stumbling block. They'll let you go to church. They'll let you do your thing. But you're going to be missing out on God's best. You won't get to pray with that person, to worship, to speak truth, and, and to actually correct each other. And so it's not even what you're doing. It's what you're missing out on. And don't be fooled by people that say it. I think you need to test it. And so I think we need to just be careful. If you look at the Bible, I just see the common thread. Every time someone makes a bad decision from a bad place, it leads to chaos. And so I was just thinking of a few again. Jonah, when his heart isn't right before God and God gives him a, a mandate and he just does his own thing and it leaves his life in shambles and he lands up in the belly of a big fish. Um, and God has to change his heart. If you look at Abraham and Sarah and just how she, um, God, God has this promise and he wants to give them the nation and their descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars and life goes on and Sarah gets bitter and she says to Abraham, just take my slave, take Hagar and have a child and that will be our descendant. And no sooner is this baby born and she is so bitter and starts victimizing this child. And all of a sudden you see from that bitterness in her heart she, and, and from that bad place that she was in, just the ramifications of poor decisions. But the other one I want to look at is 1 Samuel chapter 8. And it's when Israel asks for a king. So this is the king they're asking for is Saul. Um, well, they're asking for a king, and then Saul ends up being the king. And I'm just going to read from verse 8 to 21. It says, when Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. Um, it just goes on to the names of the son, and then it just says, but his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as the other nations have. Do you see the similarities? I want to be like everyone else. Give me a man, give me a woman, give me a boyfriend or girlfriend, just like everyone else is. I want to be like them. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, listen to all the people, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you that they've rejected, but they've rejected me as their king. As they, as they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. And I don't know about you, but I've been in situations where I've cautioned people and said, hey, do you really think this is a good idea? Like if you go down this road, um, but history shows me that sometimes when people decide to go somewhere, they're going to go somewhere. And we see it here with them too. 
Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king. He said, this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will sign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He'll take a tenth of your grain and all your vintage um, and give it to his officials and attendants. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkey he will take for his own use. He'll take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. When this day comes, you'll cry out for relief from the, for, from the king you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer you in the day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we'll be like the other nations with a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the, before the Lord. The Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. Then Samuel said to the Israelites, everyone go back to your town. And I don't know if you know what happens, but then they get King Saul, and he turns out to be a pretty lousy king. And, and God was right, and Samuel was right. It was a wrong choice. But it just shows that stubbornness that people can have when they just decided, this is what I want, lock and load, I won't hear anyone. And so we have to be careful for the decisions we make, especially when we've got a bitter and sinful heart. But then we go to the blue flag status, and those are the beaches, if you know anything about blue flag beaches, those are the beautiful ones that apparently you're guaranteed of a clean toilet, no litter, no dogs are allowed on the beach. I've been to this beach, this is a beautiful one, that's why I put it up. And there's something about them that you just treasure and honor, and, and you, you actually become a part of protecting this beach because it's actually an honor to be on a beach like this. South Africa has a few of them too. and. Um, and, and so this is, if we want a blue flag relationship that is kind of special and, and kind of has God's fingerprints all over it, what would it look like? And I just came up with three very basic things that, that we could put in our lives. And when we take on God's agenda for our life, everything changes. The way we look at the world, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we make choices. We know peace. We know his kind of stamp of approval. And it will change the way you look at the world and look at relationships. It will change who you possibly choose to be in relationship with. And it will even actually change the kind of people that you attract um, and kind of who are attracted to you. And so that's a wonderful thing. And there's, I just said three very basic things to know if you want to get into a dating relationship. Now, these aren't dating tips. If you want a dating tip book, like there are many good ones out there. But this is all about just kind of preparing yourself. Take ownership of yourself first. And if you really want to do things God's way, this is how to get onto his page for your life. And the first is knowing your position in Christ, knowing your identity, and, and just who you are in him, and taking your cues from God. And I think so often we don't realize it, but how much of our, our dating worldview is based on the world and taking our cues from the world. And sometimes we actually have to undo what the world has put in us because it's been so instilled in us that we realize if we actually have to wear our values up and our opinions about dating and life and everything, it actually would be quite warped and not really what, what God would have us do. So if you know yourself in Christ, the first thing is that you are in Christ and Christ is in you. And um, I, when we did the Living Free course, there was a beautiful illustration of just a, a big glass 
like vase with water in, and then a glass in that filled with water. And just that beautiful illustration of being in Christ, which the Bible talks about, and then Christ in you. And if you think about the way I love that, it's just that like a totally, it just is your life is just engulfed by God and just filled by God. And so everything that is true of him is true of you. And everything that you're walking and you're living in him and you're moving in him, you have your being in him and, and he's your everything. And it so changes your life that the way you make decisions is that, can I actually align myself with this person? Do they love God enough? Do they honor him enough? And there are these beautiful verses, John 14, verse 18. Um, it says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live in you. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And what a beautiful thing of just showing this is your first relationship. This is the, the basis for anything else that happens. Galatians 2 verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is Christ in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. And that's the first thing is that if you're not in a place where you can say those things about you, then you need to stop there and get that aspect of your life right before you get the other things right. It's just knowing your position in Christ and what he has created you to be. Have you fully surrendered your life to him? Are you holding anything back? Are you totally filled with him? Are you in him and is he in you? And then knowing who you were created to be. Romans 8 verse 14 to 15. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, that you live in fear again. Rather, the, you receive, um, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption into sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. That's a child of God. He's your dad. That is why I can make lame jokes about him arranging your marriage, because he's the one you need to be going to. You're not an orphan, and you don't need to go around just looking for scraps and whatever you can take. You are a child of the king, and you deserve the best. And you can afford to be fussy. You can afford to be selective. You can afford to say, that's not good enough. This is what my creator says about me. It's so sad if you've ever seen people in relationships where the person is breaking the other person down all the time and just destroying what God has put in them. That's where you need to be fussy with who you align your life with, someone who will encourage you in what God has created you to be. And that's the next thing that you need to walk in is your identity in Christ. And if you look, there's so many, I mean, you can even Google it probably and just see verses that talk about um, who you are in Christ. You are this, you are that, you are chosen, you are loved. There are so many beautiful promises. And if you're battling to deal with that and understand that, that's also a good place to start of just knowing your position because that will also change what you accept in life. And then the last is just being committed to his future for you. And um, not worrying about what other people think about you, not worrying about what is going to happen in your future because you know that you're walking into your future with God. And I've had to deal with it because I only got married in my 30s, so I had many years alone. And it is hard to deal with the questions, how am I going to survive? How will I do this? Will this ever happen? I know this, so I don't say this naively, but I do say that you need to just know where God is in your future and just trust him because there's so many things that we can't control. But our best bet is to walk into the future hand in hand with God. There's so many things that I can't answer about life, but I know that if you choose to do life with God, everything will change. 
And even singleness changes when you're doing it with God. And so I've seen people who have actually succeeded and walked through this road of singleness, having a sense of self, having a sense of dignity, having a sense of security, feeling loved, feeling secure, even though they haven't got the things that they had desperately hoped for, and if they had to be honest, still hopeful. And so this is a hard one, but just also think about Matthew 6, verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. And you see, just if if your whole being is grounded in God, it just changes what you're about. And as I said, it changes what you look for in a person. And just a word of caution is that when you are dating and your goal is marriage, you just have to be serious about it. Dating, dating relationships can break up. It's not engagement. It's not, it's not marriage. That is the purpose of it. There are some relationships that shouldn't be, and it's good to call it quits. But also it's good to just be fussy and just go, this is who I'm choosing to align my life with. Can I see myself in the future with them? And don't get fooled by what the world is saying. So the world aspires to, to having good window dressing, like, wow, you know, she's very successful. He earns loads of money. You know, he's handsome, she's beautiful. He's sporty, she's um, intellectual. And just falling for all those things, those are window dressing. They make for great dates in the beginning when you're sitting on the beach popping cherries in each other's mouths. It isn't so cool later on if they just, like, it's, they meet all the criteria mile wide, but don't go any deeper. And, um, yeah, and I just said, like, you're looking for a soldier, not a trophy. You need someone that you can do life with and go to battle with. Because you know what? Dating is fun, but things get tough. And I just even was thinking back to our own journey and just um, in between Jono asking me for, um, asking my dad if he could marry me and then actually getting engaged, he was working at an NGO and all their funding ran out, and they just came and closed the South African office. And so all of a sudden, this guy I was going to marry didn't have a job. And then you're like, okay. <laughs> he was working at NGO, so I wasn't marrying him for his money. He's fantastic. But it kind of tested that whole thing of, why am I really marrying this guy? Like, what am I saying yes to? There could be cycles of this. If he's going to carry on in the NGO world, and especially all the Americans, because then he actually went to another NGO and the same thing happened. Um, and so tested it all over again. That weekend, we had just put our offer in our first house, which we then had to, had to draw back. And I just had to me- measure out, like, he's feeling called to this, and, and it's not looking as pretty as we thought. That is reality. And just that... How how does a person cope with curveballs? Are they the kind of person that will have your back completely? Are they the person that can withstand battles? I'm not just talking about strong men. I'm talking about strong women too. People that will have your back. People that will be devoted to you. Because life, you're going to face spiritual warfare, emotional warfare, temptations. It is not pretty. And I was also thinking again of my own experience. And just um, last two weeks ago, and, like, we're not actually in a fun stage of life, I must be honest. There's no problems in our marriage, but it's just baby number one. We've got number two on the way. And about two weeks ago, I was just ugh, terrible morning sickness. I was sitting in bed, drinking a glass of water. Now, sorry if you're sensitive, just don't picture it. Um, but anyway, I was drinking a glass of water. Jono leaves the room, and it's me, Alexander, and the two dogs in the room. And all of a sudden, the water I'm drinking just starts coming up. And so I sit on the side, and I can't make it to the toilet in time, because that's the thing with my morning sickness. I can never make it anywhere on time. So I have this fear of just being somewhere. But anyway, fortunately, it was in her, at home in the bedroom. So I just I kind of stepped off the bed, and then I start like, spewing forth. 
water. Um, and, and Alexander's never ever seen someone throw up. So he's fascinated, so he comes around. The dogs are passionately, they love throw up, okay? There's, that's why there's a proverb about the dog always returning to its vomit. And so I'm on the side of the bed and it just does not stop. And all of a sudden I see Alexander wanting to put his hand in it. So now at this point, Jono walks in, as I'm shoving my son, just shoving him, like nice mother shoving him, he falls backwards and starts crying. And then the dogs are coming and I'm kicking him with my foot, trying to get them out because they're trying to lick it up. And Jono comes into the scene he had left and everything a minute ago was absolutely perfect. And he's having to just kind of deal with it. I'm just like, just get them all out. And he's like taking dogs and babies and I'm just standing. And it was just horrific. Like it is not glamorous. There's nothing fun about it. We both go to work. We get back. I'd had a rotten day. I was tired. So we, used, we usually have a don't watch TV in the week kind of policy. Um, but I just grabbed the iPad and he said, just lie on the bed. And, and then he left and he was trying to make up and sort Alexander out and gets back to the room. I'm in tears. I'm like, it's just like, I think it's home like it's a home renovation show. And it, like his ordinarily stable wife is in tears because they built a home for a family and it's just like the whole community's here. And then he leaves for a while and he gets back and I'm crying again because it's idols and this lady's from the Philippines and she's trying to do this for her child. And uh, like I actually pictured, pictured him leaving the room and just hitting his head on the wall and just being like, what on earth? It is not what he signed up for. There's nothing beautiful and glamorous about it. He has to change every nappy because they make me throw up to you. And so his, his life right now, I feel sorry for him. It sucks to be him. And I told him not to come tonight because I didn't want him to hear this because he must actually carry on working at it and I don't want him to think he's a hero. Um, but, <laughs> but he has been a hero. And... A lesser person wouldn't have survived that. It's not fun if he was just in it for when we started dating. I was running a lot and swimming and exercising. I had all the happy endorphins and I was fun to be with. I'm not fun to be with anymore. I wouldn't put it as that. <laughs> and that's where you marry someone for, for character. He's probably one of the most stable people I know and he stabilized me. And I just see him as such a blessing. And I just know that he's consistently there. And every time I apologize for the state that I'm in and just that I couldn't help enough because I'm tired, he's like, it's fine, it's fine. And that's the kind of person I go, wow, like I really did win the lottery with this one. So that is it, it's just that God will change what you're looking for, but it will be things that are good for you. His ways are good. He has the best in store for you. And then the last one is just a shark on the beach, a shark in the water, beware. And sometimes we can start out in good relationships. I don't know if it was, I'm sure it was photoshopped. In fact, I do know. Um, <laughs> I just saw it like from your perspective, okay, definitely. But that whole beware um, that there's dangers. And I think there's something that can happen in most relationships that we can start out with the best intentions. Everything can look good and all of a sudden it can unravel. And these are just things that we need to be aware of, and I just need to go through them quickly. Firstly, the honeymoon stage, it's right in the beginning, you want to do everything right, but then all of a sudden you're missing in action. Okay, and that's when you talk about like the whole friendship and community thing, when all of a sudden you withdraw from other relationships that God has put in your life that are significant. That is a big mistake. A community is there to actually help you through the dating years. Community can help you walk in purity and accountability and so many other things. The next one is that boundaries are negotiable. 
you need to speak about it because so many people start with good boundaries and then all of a sudden they violate them and that becomes the new normal. So what I suggest you do is come up with a thing that if boundaries get broken, what is going to be the consequence? So all of a sudden you're dating, one of the persons has to kind of change the boundaries, then you actually, the other person has to go, you know what, this isn't right we're taking a month off and you just, or we're taking a month where we're just gonna be with other people. So be firm on the boundaries. Too many people have negotiable boundaries. Seems good in the beginning, but changes over time. Not managing your freedoms. So that's what we spoke about earlier. The whole thing of having cars, phone, cash, parents away, that sort of thing. Um, Backpedaling on accountability. So many people want accountability partners or, or older couples that you can talk to and then all of a sudden you don't take their advice, you stop meeting with them, um, you say, well, hey, I thought this, you know, you were accountable to this couple and they're like, yeah, not really. Like, so many people want accountability partners because it's great window dressing again. It's like this great thing that our relationship looks great. What you actually want is a brand ambassador. You don't actually want to be accountable. And so if you think twice before you ask another couple to be accountable because it means means putting your life and actually submitting to the way that they say things. It's a bit of an authority structure, and so just stick to it if you're going to do it or don't. Don't do it, not don't stick to it. Um, so, um, then staying in something that doesn't please God. There is a time to call it quits or to have a break. If you feel like you've drifted from God, your priorities have changed, there is a time to sometimes step out of it and just go, you're not the same person I dated, and either person will get their life back on track, or it's good to call it quits. Um, uh, what does the next one? Not being honest when you've blown it. Um, and that is so important that so many couples don't feel like they can be honest about the mistakes. And you'll be surprised that many people have walked a road of, of having to deal with shame, having to deal with being blown it. And people might be more understanding than you think. When you deal with stuff, um, the other thing is just saying shame, like the whole thing of dealing with shame. I know of someone who, who actually landed up marrying someone because they thought it was the right thing to do, although they knew the relationship was wrong. They had slept with the guy, and so they felt like, well, the Christian thing to do is marry him. He was abusive. They already knew he was horrific because he was abusing them while they were dating. It landed up being a horrific thing, and if she had just got help then, it would have been the right thing to do. People would have helped her to get out, but she was living in shame. And she did eventually get out for her own safety. Um, also, when you deal with shame, when, when you don't deal with it and you keep it a secret, it actually damages the other person. So sometimes you have to go, I care about you enough that I'm going to take a step back so we can both receive a measure of healing because I respect you and I see that this has got potential. Old habits slipping back, just those ones from the top of the, that I spoke about right at the beginning, the baggage that we bring in, sometimes those things can come back in, and that's also where we need to be firm with the other person and say, you need to get help. I can't be all these things to you. God needs to heal you. Um, trying to change the person. Okay, they're not a racehorse that you're betting on, and you don't go to, for someone for their potential. You go for what they are and deal with them. So don't try the whole changing, you know, if you give me, you know, a few months, I'm sure you'll be a bit different. And then also just individual sin. If you see sin in the other person and it's apparent to you, there are also times where you need to let that person go so that they can deal with those issues. So those are just a few of the things to be kind of aware of. And so as I wrap up, just the, a few cautions and, and moving forward is that I think that a lot of people 
for them relationships have to do with pain and loneliness. I think if we look at uh, friendship, community relationships, th the opposite of it is loneliness. Because if you don't have them or you don't have fulfilling relationships, you can be lonely. And sometimes we can't control that, the fact that we aren't dating someone. The best thing we can do is step into right relationship with God and just enjoy a season of intimacy with Him. Because I've realized in my own life, you can't control it, but you can put beautiful things in your life. You can put community, you can put friendship, you can put God first and have within that season huge satisfaction. And then also pain is that God has given you community to help you heal. Share with people, pray with people. And if I can just ask the, the worship team to come up is that I think first prize in all of this is to put God first. Let's seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. If you fall in love with God, that is the biggest dating tip is put God in his rightful place. If you're battling in your relationships, go back to where is God in all of this? Put God in his place. If you're feeling lonely, put God in his place. If you're trying to decide who you should date, put God first place. And so our response tonight is actually we're going to be responding in communion in just celebrating what God has done for us, what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And that's such a beautiful thing to celebrate. And just to say, Lord, I just want to put you first. And whether I'm married, single, lonely, um, any area that I find myself in, I just want to put you first because that's where you belong. I want to honor you. And just remember that this life is fleeting, but we also get to spend eternity with God. If you have pain in this lifetime, you can still know that you will be at peace with God one day if you choose to put him first. So I'm just going to pray for us. And then a little bit later after while we're worshiping, Astrid will lead us in, in just when we're going to go and take communion. But just celebrate who God is. If you don't feel like he is number one, just put him back in, in the place of number one. Work through the issues in your heart if you need to confess. And then obviously coming for prayer is quite a vulnerable thing when it comes to dating. And so I'm not going to say come to the front for prayer, but if you feel like you've got business to do, if something struck a chord for you, um, come and find a Christian friend who you love or one of the pastors, and we'll make a time to meet with you or pray with you, um, but don't, don't leave it either. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you that, that we can just form our love, an opinion of love on who you are and the example that you've set. Fill us with the fruit of the Spirit. Teach us what it is to love. Help us to become the kind of people that are worthy to date other people and take their hearts in our hands. Lord, make us beautiful people who treasure others, who see them as your children. Help us to be respectful. Lord, we thank you for your work on the cross, that you um, loved us first, that you stepped out and gave your life for us, that you set an example of sacrificial love, Lord, even when we didn't deserve it. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for your grace. Lord, if we come to the communion table and there are things that are separating us, Lord, help us to deal with them. Bring them to mind so that we can walk in right relationship with you. We thank you for your beautiful and divine grace and just the gift that you offer to us. Lord, you're a good God. And Lord, we don't come to you casually. We come to you knowing you're creator of the universe. You made us. You have a plan for us. Lord, just form us the way you want us to be. Amen.